Connects Talks connects professionals in the life science, medical device, and food industries with useful content like webinars, job openings, articles, and virtual meetings to help you succeed in your career. This life science-focused podcast brings together some of our editorial staff to share insights into the latest B2B industry news to keep you up to date. This week on the show, we're discussing BioNTech, developing new delivery technology for mRNA vaccines, and Pfizer's acquisition of Reviral. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Xtalks Life Science Podcast. I'm Aisha Rashid, Senior Life Science Journalist at Xtalks.com, and this week I'm joined by Sydney Perlmutter and Vera Kovacevic. Thanks for coming today. I'm going to start us off with a story about BioNTech and how it's partnering up with a biopharma company called Matinas Biopharma to develop new delivery technologies for mRNA vaccines. So BioNTech, of course, is uh, the top COVID-19 mRNA vaccine maker, and it's actually gearing up to explore new and improved delivery technologies for mRNA vaccines. As part of that, it recently announced that it's going to collaborate with New Jersey-based lipid nanocrystal developer Matinas Biopharma. The deal is worth $2.75 million, and it's going to allow BioNTech to tap into Matinas' lipid nanocrystal, or LNC, delivery platform technology to develop novel vaccine formulations, including a potential oral vaccine as well. Now, as part of the deal, BioNTech is going to give Matinas an upfront exclusive access fee and research funding. Uh, Matinas and BioNTech say that they've also started discussions on a license agreement for Matinas's LNC platform. Matinas is a clinical stage biopharmaceutical company that's focused on using its proprietary LNC platform technology to innovate new ways to deliver nucleic acids and small molecules into cells. Now, what makes LNC technology or lipid nanocrystals um, so favorable over typical lipid nanoparticles? And of course, um, those are what um, are used in the current mRNA vaccine formulations. So both Moderna and BioNTech, um, their current delivery system involves lipid nanoparticles. Now, in contrast to lipid nanoparticles, which are not very stable, and that's why the vaccines have to be kept at um, super cold temperatures of minus 80, in contrast, lipid nanocrystal encapsulated structures are highly stable. And so this has major implications for the intracellular delivery of nucleic acids like mRNA into cells. Now, because the structure of LNCs is so stable, um, Matina says that this allows for the avoidance, of course, of extreme cold chain storage temperatures that are required for maintaining the integrity of uh, lipid nanoparticles. And um, so, of course, as I mentioned again, the BioNTech Pfizer vaccine has to be stored between minus 60 to minus 90. And of course, this presents logistical transport challenges um, because traditional cold chain storage systems are not equipped with ultra cold freezer systems. And that was especially challenging in developing countries where such low temperature freezers can be hard to come by um, in a lot of places. 
but during the pandemic, uh, access to ultra cold chain freezers did expand. Uh, and so given global efforts and the efforts of uh, various countries and to build those into the cold chain uh, supply uh, chains. Now, vaccine formulations um, that involve the use of lipid nanocrystals, on the other hand, can be stored at higher temperatures. And so this would help cut costs and improve access. Um, it also introduces the possibility of developing orally administered mRNA vaccines as well. Now, BioNTech's uh, CEO and co-founder, Ugur Shaheen, said that they're very excited about Matinas' LNC platform as it demonstrates encouraging capabilities for intracellular delivery, including the opportunity for oral delivery. And they're excited to collaborate with Matinas and their extraordinary team of experts, he said. Now, Matinas Biopharma also has an LNC partnership with Genentech, and it originally licensed the LNC platform from Rutgers University to support the targeted intracellular delivery of a range of biomolecules like mRNA. Now, in addition to partnering with um, these kinds of pharmaceutical companies to help them develop their products, Matinas says that it's also developing its own portfolio of products, which uh, include novel delivery formulations uh, through the unique characteristics of this LNC platform. So what do you think about this new collaboration between BioNTech and Matinas and um, you know, we might have a 2.0 version of the current COVID-19 vaccines that might be more stable. And I think having the possibility of an oral vaccine is, is very exciting as well, especially people who have. I know there are a lot of people who have um, needle phobia, I guess. I, I don't think that's the correct term for it, but um, who are actually quite hesitant in getting needles. So this would be a great option for them. Yeah, I think it's um, very beneficial for a company like Matinas Biopharma to partner with such a well-known biopharma company like BioNTech, right? So they are definitely having the advantage there, and I think it could push um, the new technology forward, like their lipid nanocrystal delivery platform. Um, so this is very beneficial for Martina's Biopharma. And just wanted to ask you, Aisha, did, did Martina's Biopharma ever bring a drug to FDA approval? Um, well, not as big as BioNTech has become now, for sure. But yeah, they're a smaller company and um, they've been around since 2013. And they actually um, have a couple of drugs in the pipeline. And one of them is an omega-3-based um, drug. So that's actually pretty interesting. And that's currently in phase two uh, clinical development. And from what I can see, um, I think it um, filed for an investigational new drug application in 2014. So that's one of the drugs um, in their pipeline, among others. And I think they're also developing um, drugs using their um, technology for um, there's like an antifungal and an antibacterial uh, treatment as well that they have in their pipeline. So yeah, they have a couple of their own products in their pipeline that they've developed using this LNC platform. Cool. And so the LNC platform, like, so the 
basically, BioNTech's main reason for partnering with Matinas, right, is so that they can produce vaccines that don't need to undergo shipment with, like, you know, ultra-cold freezer systems like negative 80 degrees Celsius, for example. Yeah, that's one of the major reasons for sure. Um, because lipid nanoparticles, again, like I was saying, they're not... Uh, very stable, so they're they're very sensitive to temperature changes, and they have to be kept at ultra cold temperatures. So that's one of the reasons. Um, and just um, I think, yeah, I think that's one of the main reasons, just to have greater stability um, in terms of how the shelf life of uh, the vaccine, storage, transport, all of those things, and then the oral formulation possibility as well that comes along with that. I think that's very attractive to to biotech as well because i think that would open up like doors in terms of accessibility for sure yeah that was really intriguing to me i actually had never heard of an oral vaccine i didn't really know that was even an option um but would you be able to give me a little bit of like an explainer on how an oral vaccine differs from like your your typical vaccine well, an example of an oral vaccine would be polio, right? For for kids, oh. I believe they have polio um, drops that you can give to kids. So it can be taken by mouth. So there's, I think it's uh, in an in activated uh, viral uh in 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 inactivated uh, vaccine in terms of the type of the vaccine it is so yeah um, oral formulations do exist so they're not completely new at all um, and again like the example like they're given around the world to children so I think it's really beneficial to have vaccines that are more accessible <clears throat> in terms of their format so the way they differ um, again I think it just comes down to uh, the ingredients that are, that are used in it. And some, again, depending on the type of vaccine, whether it's an mRNA vaccine, a DNA vaccine, or um, a vaccine with live versus in an inactivated virus, like you have your whole virus in the vaccine, I think um, they can be formulated um, just depending on the nature of, of I guess, your um your vaccine but yeah definitely a possibility and with mRNA it was a bit more trickier because the delivery of mRNA into cells that's actually posed the biggest challenge over the last couple of decades and that's what uh, the focus of <clears throat> mRNA research in terms of mRNA therapeutics and mRNA vaccines has been for the past couple of decades it's like how do we get mRNA into cells um, because mRNA in itself is extremely unstable so the delivery package or the vector for to deliver mRNA into cells has been a major um, I mean you have dedicated companies or research labs academic labs that are just focused on lipid nanotech uh, particle technology or mRNA delivery um, into cells so huge research uh, around that and um, it's great to see that, you know, one of the first applications of that in, in, the form, in the format of a vaccine was the COVID-19 vaccines. So, again, people think, oh, they were developed so quickly. But um, the truth is that they've been in development for decades. And um, we're very lucky that we were at a point where um, a lot of, uh, you know, the research had been done, the groundwork had been laid, and we were like right there in terms of the technology to to get these mRNA vaccines. Yep. And I think it's exciting that like we're just building on that uh, moving forward. 
Okay, so I'm going to move on to another story, and this is another collaboration. So Pfizer, which is the partner of BioNTech um, in, ter- in their COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, so Pfizer is set to acquire antiviral developer Reviral in a deal that's worth $525 million. So while continuing to combat COVID-19, Pfizer is also looking to target other respiratory infections. And it recently announced that it's going to acquire the privately held clinical stage antiviral therapeutics company Reviral Limited. And Pfizer hopes that this new deal will help boost its respiratory syncytial virus or RSV pipeline by adding uh, Reviral's promising candidate RSV antiviral therapeutics. So Pfizer said that this um, $525 million deal will help strengthen its infectious disease research and development portfolio with a complementary strategy, which will involve both treatments for RSV to improve patient outcomes, as well as vaccination to prevent illness. So RSV is a respiratory virus that causes cold-like symptoms, but it can lead to severe and life-threatening lower respiratory tract infections like pneumonia in high-risk populations like young infants, immunocompromised individuals, and older adults. Now, the treatment options for RSV are quite limited, and they mainly focus on supportive care. Globally, about 64 million people become infected with RSV every year, and it causes 160,000 deaths every year. So it is quite um, a prevalent uh, infection, um, respiratory infection. Now, Pfizer, actually, it has an existing RSV portfolio, which includes a RSV candidate vaccine. And this vaccine received breakthrough therapy designation from the FDA last month for the prevention of RSV in individuals 60 years of age and older. Now, taking a look at Reviral, so they have a couple of different RSV antiviral candidates, and one of them includes one that's called Sisunativir, and this is an orally administered inhibitor of the RSV fusion protein, and by blocking this protein, uh, you prevent the entry of the virus uh, into host cells. Now, Sisunativir received fast-track designation from the FDA. Uh, I think it was last year. Now, uh, so Sisunativir actually in a recent phase two um, RSV human challenge study in healthy adults, um, it was found to significantly reduce viral load. And this um, RSV antiviral is now being evaluated in hospitalized infants um, in the company's phase two reviral one clinical development study. And so Reviral expects that the development program for Sisunativir will continue in both adult and pediatric populations. Um, So Reviral also has another antiviral in its pipeline, uh, which inhibits RSV replication by targeting the virus's nucleocapsid protein. And that drug is currently being evaluated in a phase one study. 
Now, uh, Pfizer continues to evaluate its uh, RSV vaccine in phase three trials. So it's in late stage trials right now in healthy adults aged 18 to 50 years old. And data from the study, um, recent data from that study, shows that the vaccine has uh, 100% efficacy against mild to moderate symptomatic RSV infection, and no serious adverse events have been observed in the trial. So, of course, uh, Pfizer expanding its RSV portfolio will, of course, serve as a big boost to its already mammoth position in the infectious disease space because of its blockbuster COVID-19 program. Now, under the terms of the agreement, Pfizer's um, acquisition of Reviral will include upfront and development milestones. And Pfizer believes that the annual revenue for these programs has the potential to exceed $1.5 billion if successful. So quite uh, a lot at stake here. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this acquisition. And, you know, we just talked about BioNTech and now, you know, we have Pfizer also uh, acquiring this antiviral developer. So I think, you know, really to expand its... its uh, sort of presence in the infectious disease space. And what do you think about RSV? Like, is this something, an infection that you guys have thought about before? Or, um, and with COVID, are you guys thinking about more respiratory infections and being um, more aware of what's out there? <laughs> well, so to talk about the RSV um, virus, I have not really heard that much about it. And I think it's because I'm in the low risk Group. Like, I think it's mostly targets, um, you know, older adults and babies. So basically, like, what would be the difference between RSV and, let's say, like a bad cold? I guess RSV is kind of targets, of course, people with, un like, poor immune systems, right? Like babies and, and older adults. So, um... I think I haven't heard a lot about that one. I think just because the focus has been on like coronavirus for the past two years that I think we've forgotten about right. lots of other, yeah, other lots of other viruses there, exactly. have kind of, yeah. So I think it's a good thing that they are focusing on other respiratory viruses. Um, I think it's a good time too, because there's lots of knowledge about them now. So I think it's, I think it's great, but something that I found interesting with this acquisition is that this is Pfizer's second acquisition in less than six months. So in December, they took over Arena Pharmaceuticals for $6.7 billion, and that acquisition was, yeah, that was for, um, they wanted to expand their treatment for diseases that affect the stomach and intestine. So that was the reason why they took over Arena Pharmaceuticals back in December. And and now this company, um, it was it was a much lower deal, but still over yeah, still over half a billion dollars. So Pfizer is really um, you know, pushing pushing this space with, with their with um these acquisitions lately. 
Yeah, I think it's just um, trying to take advantage of like the name that it's gotten with the co- its COVID-19 vaccine. I think it's just trying to capitalize and, and maximize sort of the traction it's gotten, um, you know, trying to really build its portfolios, I think, in so many different disease spaces. But it definitely makes sense um, in the infectious disease space with this acquisition of Reviral because, you know, people are looking to, to Pfizer, you know, the number one. Uh, vaccine maker for COVID-19. And so I think people might be more trusting um, if they develop drugs and vaccines for other infectious diseases as well. So I think they're really, this is very strategic. And, you know, the pandemic, COVID-19 is going to, well, we don't know if it's going to disappear forever or, you know, we might have to live with it in terms of if it becomes endemic but the pandemic will be over soon fingers crossed and so i think pfizer is just you know getting ready for that and branching out into other spaces and to other infectious diseases because infectious diseases are here to stay yeah it's really interesting that you say like you know we've kind of it's true we really have forgotten about other things i remember a few years ago i got this like viral lung infection and had i gotten it in the last two years i would have absolutely thought it was covid and Mm -hmm. you know we we yeah we used to get colds we used to get other infections and i think it's a good idea to start remembering that other things do exist and you still can get other things aside from covid so i think we yeah we we i think it's definitely a good move um and yeah, I mean, obviously, no infection is a good one, but, you know, to to prevent as many as possible is definitely the best game plan. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've been lucky in terms of um, all of the COVID pan- pandemic measures. They've actually, you know, kept other infectious diseases at bay, right? Because, you know, masking, distancing and all of that. So we've had record low um, numbers, cases of flu over the past couple of years during the pandemic and other respiratory infections as well. So it goes to show you, number one, COVID, you know, it's definitely a different beast in terms of how contagious it is. And, you know, it was more difficult to to ward that off. But, you know, with, this, with the measures that we were taking for that, it was actually relatively easier to ward off other things like influenza, RSV, and other respiratory infections. And we don't, I I don't know, we sometimes might take it lightly, but, um, you know, RSV is not like the cold. I think, Vera, you were saying, what's the difference? Well, um, you know, things like RSV, things like COVID-19, they're lower respiratory tract infections. So they harbor lower in, in the respiratory system, so deep into the lungs. And so that can really cause a lot of issues like pneumonia and um, things can spiral downward really fast with those kinds of infections as opposed to a common cold. So, yeah. All right, that's the end of this episode of the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you liked today's show, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Thanks, everyone, and see you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the X Talks Life Science Podcast. If you enjoyed our discussions today, please share the episode with your friends and colleagues, and be sure to subscribe in order to be notified when a new episode is released. To join in on the discussion, you can find X-Talks on social media, email podcast at xtalks.com or comment on the articles directly.
Links are in the show description. Take a moment to join our community at xtalks.com to get access to everything we have to offer, including webinars, job listings, virtual meetings, articles, and more. The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers sharing them. They should not be taken as professional advice and do not necessarily reflect the policy or position Honeycomb Worldwide. For further information, email us at podcast at xtalk.com. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.